Yeah, it's hard to be an American. Hard to be an American. Pop! This is hard to be an American! Hello and welcome to Pod to Be an American. Uh, it's just Eric McElroy here this week. Uh, don't have Charlie, but I do have two fantastic guests uh, because Charlie and I started this podcast with the idea of talking to the other side and having a dialogue. And so I reached out across the pond uh, to also find out what's happening in America. And one person I'm talking to on the right is, is Dr. Jerry Walls. He's a professor at Houston Baptist University, and I've talked to him a few times on other things before. He, he's got a connection to the evangelical Christian community and a perspective on how Trump is still their guy, which I find incredibly fascinating. And I'm also on the left, got Holly Figueroa O'Reilly, and she is um, a Twitter activist, somebody that we met via Twitter because um, we were both blocked by Trump, and she fought the law and, and won. And so we chat about that. Uh, we chat about the Muslim ban because we recorded this earlier in the week when that had just come out uh, pre-Supreme Court uh um, Anthony Kennedy stepping down, so we didn't get into that. Oh, I think Holly and I would have been crying. Um, we talked about the migrant children, and um, I think had an interesting debate. Both sides hopefully are covered, uh, some dialogue. Uh, there's it, They're both on Skype calls, so there's a couple moments where it gets a bit Skypey. Um, I, I cut out anything that was really bad, uh, but there's a few moments I left in because you still get the essence of what um, I think especially Jerry was saying because it cut away a few times. Uh, but that's it. Thanks for listening. And this is Pod to be an American. Pod! This is Pod to be an American! Joining me now is uh, Dr. Jerry Walls, who I've talked to a few times uh, uh, with a radio show he's doing here, and he's been really helpful in giving us a perspective on things back in America, which we miss out living here in the UK. Um, he's a professor of philosophy at the Houston Baptist University. So that's that's serious America, isn't it? That's I mean, that's Texas. That's, that's, a, that's, Texas, a, that's, that's a Baptist yep. university. I mean, that is stuff that we don't see every day here in the UK. Well, I, I like talking to you because obviously I've been in London for 18 years, and I'm I'm so and watching the massive amount of change that's happened in the U.S. You know, uh, as I was saying to you before uh, we started recording, you know, it's easy to get caught up in a left wing bubble and a right wing bubble, and you know, uh, I'm guessing that you probably don't consider yourself in a left wing bubble, um, working for a, a you know a conservative what I would classify as a conservative university. Is that fair to say, or yeah. is that being yeah. prejudicial? This would qualify as a conservative university, yes. And, I mean, is it, are most of the supporters at the university, or most people at the university, would they be classified as Donald Trump supporters? Um, that I, That is not as clear to me. I mean, certainly many of them would be. Now, the student body, by contrast, is much more diverse. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, Houston is one of the most diverse uh, cities in America, and our student body uh, reflects that largely. In fact, we're one of the most top ten diverse universities in America in terms of racial and so on, ethnic diversity. Okay. So um, the, the, the students are not... Uh, you know, predominantly conservative Christians, as you might assume. Mm. But the faculty is. The faculty is conservatively Christian. Um, and again, Christians of all stripes, not all Baptists. I mean, we, in fact, I myself attend an Episcopal church. Um, so, you know, we have Roman Catholics and Eastern Orthodox and Baptists and Anglicans and, you know, quite quite, quite a, a spread. What C.S. Lewis called mere Christianity is how okay. we the religious uh, you know, frame of the school. 
and so so I guess but now I guess so Houston because Houston is a little it's a more diverse than maybe the rest of Texas is a little bit well yeah I mean as a whole Houston you know I mean we have a rather liberal mayor and and uh, things like that so Houston is not itself as conservative as as Texas overall that's probably right yeah okay um, but the, what, I guess one thing that has been striking with the, this president is his support from evangelicals overall, which in right. a lot of ways I think has kind of surprised people on the left because he's about, I would say, the most unevangelical person I can think of as far as his past, his history, his support. I mean, he used to support abortion, uh, his multiple marriages, his affairs, if the Stormy Daniels thing is even halfway true. I, I, it, does, it seems like the things that I would put as values – to the evangelical community, he's kind of the opposite of that. Yes, he, he, he certainly he certainly is. Um, and evangelicals did not vote for him for his personal piety. Uh, hmm. And here's where you know a lot of people have to make a, you know a, a very broad distinction, which I, I I might call the the Rolling Stones distinction. Okay. Um, if you're going to, if you're going to appreciate lots of forms of art, and that includes everything from classic art to contemporary art. You have to distinguish between the artistic creations of, of people and their personal moral and other world views. So the Rolling Stones are my favorite rock and roll band, but I don't get my moral philosophy from the Rolling Stones. I don't, right. I don't look to them as exemplars of, of how to live a moral life or a Christian life or anything like that, but they're just great rock and roll artists. And um, I, think, okay. I think, unfortunately, you have to do that in politics sometimes as well. Um, you know, Donald Trump is not an exemplar of personal morality. He's not an exemplar, you know, of Christianity. Um, I, I'm not judging his spiritual condition. There are those close to him who think he has genuinely become a Christian uh, uh. and takes it seriously. I'm not in a position to judge that. But certainly judging by his past behavior, he certainly has not been most of his life. So evangelicals didn't vote for him because of that. So basically, you know, came down to a matter of you, you, you have um, another person who is equally, if not more, morally compromised in Hillary Clinton, um, mm. who holds very liberal views uh, as opposed to someone who's morally compromised, but claim to, to be uh, willing to govern on conservative principles. And uh, so with that choice, lots of people said, okay, I will take the person who will govern on conservative principles rather than someone who will govern on liberal principles. Yeah, I, I guess I, I think what's different there, I mean, it's an interesting analogy, but what's different is the Rolling Stones is not the the leader of the country. You're not electing them to a position that That's people correct. generally, that you want That's to see values. Right. I mean, I think I would imagine that you didn't think, you probably politically weren't aligned with Barack Obama, but I think of a, of a man of values who seemed to honor his wife and children and generally, um, you know, I seem to live a, a, a life of, of a role model, you know, tried to, and even George W. Bush to an extent. I mean, Hillary, obviously Bill Clinton, not a moral life, but, um, but those are two political leaders who did, I think, try and raise us up. And Donald Trump doesn't seem to, to be trying to do that on a personal level. Again, I, I would certainly agree with you on, on a personal level, but uh, with with Obama, while he was you know had an admirable family life and was admirable in many ways, many of his policies were not at all sympathetic to the kinds of things that Christians and conservatives care about. Mm -hmm. So, if you're going to have someone you know who you can say, all right, they, they have a great family life, he's a great father, yeah. but his policies are really destructive to things we care about. 
or your choice is someone whose personal life is not, but his policies promote things you care about for the most part. Well, that's the choice that we that uh, many people think we will face with. So you just sort of hold your nose and vote for him and hope that he stands by the things that he's suddenly claimed to believe in for right, his... Right, yeah. Lots of people, in fact, use that very phrase. Lots of people said they, they held their nose when they voted for Donald Trump. A lot of people felt that way. Now, again, lots of people have become much more positive about him since he's been elected, and... In voting for him, many people were rolling the dice. I mean, just because someone promises to do something doesn't yeah. mean they're going to do it. I mean, in fact, it's the case that uh, they don't. Yeah. And uh, the remarkable thing about Trump has actually been that he's been remarkably consistent. So a lot of people say he's a liar, he's a liar. But look, I mean, if you look at the big themes, the things he's promised and claimed, he's been very consistent on his big themes and his big claims. And in fact, it really struck me on the day of his inauguration I, I, I was watching it particularly to see, and now that he's elected, is he president, is he going to suddenly start changing tones, subtly mm. or even not so subtly? But his, his inauguration speech was remarkably consistent with what he promised all along and what he's doing right now as well. In fact, one of, my, one of my liberal friends today made a comment on Facebook, which I thought was quite telling. He said, the best thing about Donald Trump is he keeps his promises. The worst thing about Donald Trump is he tries to keep his promises. So, so as a liberal, you don't like his promises, right? That that, yeah. that was his implication. Uh, you would prefer he not keep his promises, right? Uh, but uh, the remarkable thing about him is he has he has governed by conservative principles. Uh, he has supported the kind of values that conservatives care about, um, for the most part. And, um, you know, given, again, the choice of someone who governs on conservative principles that support your concerns versus someone who doesn't, if both of them are morally dubious, well, the choice, you know, is not that hard. Yeah, I, I think, yes, he definitely has lived up to some of those promises. I think in a way that, um, I mean, a lot of the, it feels like some of the things he does is he just does whatever the opposite of Obama did without any real thought or conviction behind it. But I just, I worry about the, the moral health of the U.S. in the way that he does things. Because, you know, yes, a conservative is in the White House and a conservatives, and conservatives are in control of the Congress, and so that means they get to set the agenda and the rules. Um, but the way that he talks to, to people, like the way he's, um, he's attacked uh, this business that he feels was unfair to one of his members of staff for the president of the United States to speak in the way that he does and to do the things that he does, that feels to me like it's doing lasting damage to what America stands for. And that's a real concern. The state of, the state of public discourse is the worst that certainly I can ever remember seeing. And lots of people who are older than I am are saying the same thing. And, yeah. and it really is remarkably uh, uh, at a very low level. Um, and, and I would have to agree with you that part of the blame lies in, in his own style. Uh, he himself has, has been very uh, crude in some ways mm. in, in the kind of things he said and the, the way he gets personal with people. Uh, but as bad as he's been, I have to say, I, I think the left has actually been worse in terms of their reaction and, and particularly in the, um, you know, the, the kind of fascist desire to shut down free speech. I mean – I mean, um, uh, as provocative as he is, he's willing to debate you. He's willing to argue with you. He's willing to well, take you on. Uh, you say that he's interested in taking people on in speech, but I'm one of the people on Twitter that he's blocked. 
um, because, you know, I was responding to his tweets and engaging with his followers. I was never – I was jokey because uh, I do have comedian in my profile, so I try. <laughs> and uh, I, But I was never, I don't think, mean. I was never threatening. Um, I, I, I even tried not to swear much. Uh, which is difficult sometimes, and he blocked me. And that's now been, he's had a court ruling against him. He's appealing it to say that he has now uh, infringed, you know, my right to free speech. So he's willing to engage in a way, but it, it, that's, where, that's, where the, that's where the hypocrisy of what he stands for. You know, you say that he's willing to engage and fight, but he, he isn't. He's only willing to engage well, on his terms. Well, he, 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 did have to, he did have to debate during the presidential debates, not only with his uh, Republican challengers, but then with Hillary Clinton. So he engaged in, in open debate. He... Um, you know, engages in, in TV interviews and things like that, um, takes on the press from time to time. Yeah. So uh, uh, he, he certainly he certainly he certainly does at least that. But but you don't see. And again, so here, let's just make it more generally speaking, the left versus the right. You don't see conservatives shouting down speakers. You don't see conservatives uh. demonstrating. You, you don't see conservative congressmen, you know, like Maxine Waters did just the other night. Telling people to surround, you know, anyone that uh, that that is that is on the that is on the left, and and shame them in public. If you see him at a restaurant, if you see him in uh, at a gas station, if you see yeah. him anywhere, get, get get a group of people, shout them down, humiliate. You don't you don't hear that kind of thing out of the right. I, I think well, I, I think that the I mean I've I've watched both a lot of cable news more than I should, and I've seen people screaming at each other on that from both sides of the aisle. The the yeah. whole idea of chasing yeah, no, people no, out from yeah. their from their restaurants and yeah. and the personal attacks, I, I don't feel like that does the cause any good. And you know the the well, Rob, Robert. I mean I mean it really it's it's extraordinary to think that that someone can be refused service because they work for the president of the United States, we're not going to serve you because you work for the president? I mean, that's that's absurd. Well, I well, I agree. I think, think you should reserve, you know, res, not serve someone for any reason, whether, you know, but that goes, I mean, people have been using the example then of the couple that, uh, or the guy that didn't want to bake a cake for a gay couple because that was against his moral convictions. So I think, you know, right. you, also, you have to... There, there are big disanalogies there. I mean, I mean, uh, the cake baker serves anyone who wants to come in and just buy his products. He does that. What he objected to was designing specifically a cake for a gay wedding. Yeah. That was the difference. Uh, yes, but I think, th well, but I think if you if you want to be able to deny service for those beliefs that he has, then I think that these these people have a right to deny service because they believe that she is representing a what they feel is a you know is a uh, a government that isn't representing their values, so you can't have, you can't refuse in some cases and not in others. So, well, well, right, but but again, to to make it analogous, you would have to say, all right, I'm asking you to sell me a product specifically in support of this particular this particular belief. So that she comes in and says, I I, I want you yeah. to, I want you to to uh, to sell us something specifically designed to support something you find objectionable. Merely serving someone dinner doesn't mean you agree with anything you said and that's where it's become absurd and it's like you know you and i were saying before uh we need more conversation we need yeah. more people sitting down around I, the dinner table and talking not refusing even the most fundamental hospitality to human yeah. beings and it's just you know reprehensible I, when it's come to this yeah i agree with you on that i would just take it a step further and to say to make someone a cake isn't going to i would imagine corrupt your relationship with the lord since we're all you've you know you've you know, I think we, we've had a conversation before that, you know, the, about God's grace and things. And I would imagine that they would probably find it in his heart to forgive that baker for not humiliating and belittling people who are, are gay because they're gay. And, um, 
and want a cake and want to be able to have the same things that all of us have as human beings and as, as Americans in that case. So, so I, I would, I would, you know, I would take it that step further, but, but I see what you're saying as well. Yeah. Uh, what, so his, yeah. and, but as far as Trump's, how, how, cause I, I know, I know I just told you before we started recording about the fact that the Supreme court has um, supported Donald Trump and his uh, travel ban, which has been labeled a Muslim ban. Um, they're saying that that is pres- has presidential authority to ban people from certain countries because he's labeled them a risk. But over the campaign, he basically said that they were he's, he wants to ban Muslims because we don't know what's going on. How I mean, how is that as a as somebody as a man of faith? Do you have concerns with that, or do you feel like national security is more important than this faith issue, or is it not a faith issue for you? Well. Pure and simple. The question is, what really motivates it? And uh, if it is simply, it is sim- if it is simply uh, banning someone because of their religion, it's clearly wrong. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, if there is reason to think that there is an increased risk of terror, even any, anything that would raise this level to to make it any kind of a threat, then I think it's a rational decision uh, and a defensible one. And I'm certainly not in a position to know. Yeah. Uh, what kind are, are are most dangerous, but I don't think anyone can, can deny that that uh, terrorism uh, is a reality. It's a serious reality, and we need to be very vigilant in, in protecting against it. So it, it, there is good information that there are risks involved here in these countries, not because of religion per se, but because of, of extreme terrorism, then, then I think that's perfectly justified. But watching watching Trump and watching his rhetoric and the way he says things, the way he's, he sort of has played to a uh, you know, the language that he uses towards immigrants and to people of different faiths that I think is horrendous by calling them these people and, a, you know, an invasion. I mean, do you really think that, the, that this ban was about safety or about politics? Uh, I, I would have to I would have to say I think it's about safety. I hope it's about safety. Uh, again, uh, I, I'm not in a, I'm not in a position to know. Um, you know, what he knows uh, or what the intelligence community knows uh, with respect to these matters. Yeah, but um, I am prepared. I am prepared to give him the benefit of the doubt that that uh, he is concerned to protect uh, the people he's sworn to protect. And um, we talked last week about the, the the issue with separating families. I mean, how's? And I think that you know we agreed that that seemed and pretty. Again, and oh, go ahead. Just to follow up on just that, there are lots of there are lots of, of of Muslim countries where there's no ban. So yeah, if it was a Muslim ban. Uh, it would apply to all of them, and clearly sure. it doesn't. So well, he didn't ban any Muslim countries that had Trump hotels. <laughs> he seemed to; those were fine. <laughs> so um, that's my recommendation to these people: while they're waiting to get into the United States, build a Trump hotel, and then they've got a much better chance of getting taken off that list. Well, sh- showing yourself genuinely friendly to Western values uh, does make a difference, as opposed to being hostile to Western values. So, I, so yeah. in, insofar as the, the, the hotel is a symbol of genuine uh, friendliness toward Western <laughs> values, then that is not an incident fact, actually, right? Well, it's a, it's, I don't know if Trump's values feel very Western at the moment. But, uh, uh, I, mean, the, I mean, the fact that Saudi Arabia isn't a banned country when, all, you know, most of the 9-11 bound, uh, bombers came from Saudi Arabia. I mean, there was just, there's a lot of holes, I think, in his ban. And, it, it, I mean, it, it, it does not feel listening to his rhetoric and listening to the way he said things and to the way he talks about people from different countries and uh, people of Islamic faith it just it feels like it's about fear and I mean having I've traveled extensively in the Middle East and you know and and been in the the countries that he claims you know don't have our values and um, you know 
well, I can say for one thing that the you know they don't all want to kill us because they had plenty of chances with me and didn't. Um, so I, it just it just doesn't it doesn't ring true based on obvious you know right, what you can right. see from external. Uh, absolutely, and, and I I would I would assume that the overwhelming majority of Muslims are friendly, uh, you know, do indeed care about peace and, and care yeah. about respecting uh, respecting each other. I have no question that that that's the overwhelming majority. But if you have reason to think there's even a significant minority who could exploit this and are bent on doing it, then obviously, you know, caution is the, the greater part of wisdom. Uh, I, ho I hope so. I did want to ask you um, how sentiment is going with the issue of separating families, because you're right there on the front line of that. Because um, I know last week you, you, you were saying that you agreed that you thought it was wrong that he was separating, or that it seemed like the, the mood in the evangelical community was that it's wrong to separate these families, and there was pressure brought to Trump to, to not do that is that um is that is i think i think everybody agreed on that i mean i mean evangelical roman catholic uh atheist i i think everybody with any kind of fundamental moral sensibilities whatever said we don't want to be separating families forcefully so um I, i'm very glad that that pressure was exerted on, and i'm glad he made the change and i think most people but he do you think that um is he going to because he needs to change his language around migrants because there is a genuine refugee crisis. And he again, it feels like he just like I feel like he used the Muslim ban to scare people. He's using this this immigration talk to scare people and to keep a base on side that and using more um, false information than true information to you know get people to turn out in November and that kind of thing. I mean, does it feel like that or do you think there's that some of that language is is fair? Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry to say I, I think both sides have been demagoguing the issue. Uh, I, I don't think that's I don't think that's unique to 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 the right by any stretch of the imagination. And in fact, the famous Time magazine cover is really I think emblematic of um, of the demagoguery. About the image of, of the little girl on the cover of Time magazine, she was not in fact separated from her mother. And in fact, the true story is that you know she left without without her husband knowing it, and apparently paid a six thousand dollar to a smuggler to help her get across, and she'd been deported in yes. 2013. Uh, right? So this image just sort of represents the demagoguery uh, that surrounds this issue and the willingness to distort and manipulate people with emotional kind of things that are not true to the facts. So there's demagoguery on, on both sides of the thing. Yes, that, I mean, it just happened to be that that one picture happened to end up being not exactly what it came to represent something beyond that one little girl and the right. bottom line it was representing maybe not her physically right. well, but it was I representing the 2500 children who were separated from their parents and that right. Right. image was and that was the image that everyone seemed to turn against so they ended up using the wrong picture but the but what he's doing still is is true and i think represented by that image it's you right. know he he right. decided well, to have a zero tolerance policy without any planning to, to back that up right and uh, everybody again agrees on that uh, and and uh, are, are glad that, that he changed that he changed that policy yeah but having said that you know I was saying before it's an extremely difficult uh, thing to try to find a balance between being compassionate um, being respectful 
and uh, you know, actually practically coping with the enormous numbers of people that are already legally in line yeah. for asylum and trying to sort out you know, which of these people are making true claims and which are not. I guess the tragedy would be that there's no uh, – and on both sides this happens. I know it does, but especially you know, with the majorities that they have in Congress – if they budged a little bit and gave and 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 did open up and rather than playing to the far because we that the, the system the, the constitution was not meant to play to the extremes of the far right and the far left that what's going to give a path to save the DACA kids and to you know deal with the illegal immigrants and to deal with these migrants is a is a package that kind of makes everybody unhappy and r- there's no movement towards that uh, and 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 the Democrat yeah, that's extremely disappointing that is extremely disappointing morning that we cannot effectively come up with dealing with immigration in a way that fixes fixes the deep problems and it just keeps getting kicked down the road from administration to administration and once again this is where I give Trump credit he is willing to actually try to do something about it I mean again he inherited this problem I mean yeah. this kind of stuff has been been going on for previous administrations and again a lot of those pictures uh, that were first used were taken from 2014 when Obama was president. Yeah. And again, there was no no outrage then uh, from from the from the media about it. But now, you know, yeah. it's suddenly the world's biggest moral crisis. Well, but the difference between so, then and now is that those were unaccompanied minors, and these aren't. Yeah. So it's a, it's a slightly different thing. But yeah, I mean, there should be it should be atrocious at any point that it's happening. And um, uh, but I, I, it seems like he doesn't want to do like any there's no middle ground it's he's he's playing to an extreme um on purpose well, there's there's got to be there's got to be a, a will to compromise and actually try to fix it instead of just using it for political football and there's unfortunately a lot of evidence that um that both sides want to use it as a political football and just keep the issue alive rather than actually solving it yeah i'm sorry on lord just got here and if you hear a noise in the background <laughs> That's all right. That's the problem. I'm, I'm amazed my kids haven't burst in here and uh, demanded something. Um, well, I, I just, I, I guess um, I'll, I'll let you go here soon. But uh, it, it's it's fascinating to, to, to just to see um, because there's it's amazing to see how we can see the same, uh, you know, we see the same stories and we're seeing the same headlines and perceive them in different ways. And I think what's a tragedy is that is there is. Uh, that the, the, how how we find our way to see I guess the same starting point to then work and problem solve from there and I don't know the way through that because that seems to be the the basis because we you know you see sides that look at the same coin and we're just we continually look at the opposite sides of it I don't know how we get past that yeah. right and, and and as long as long as both sides see it as a political leverage issue rather than trying to solve it in a way uh, that that is both compassionate. Uh, and also effective. Until they're willing to do that, it's going to continue. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating stuff. Pop! This is hard to be an American! So um, now I'm joined by Holly Figaro O'Reilly, who um, is somebody who I've chatted to before in different forums, who I believe you'd like to be introduced as a, as a mother of five. Is that right? And an activist? Is that the right way to say? That's close. Yeah, that's, close. That's pretty close. And also that's someone close yeah. who has successfully sued and won against Donald Trump, which is amazing. And you're my hero for that. 
<laughs> well, because because <laughs> the, well, that's how we connected originally on Twitter because uh, you were blocked by Trump and got involved by this lawsuit, and I've been blocked by Trump and still am. Um, but you guys have won the first round of that lawsuit, so I'm hoping that um, I can start getting yep. access to my president again. Well, careful what you wish for. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure you remember the last time we talked. <laughs> but one of you guys asked me if my mental health was was at all in, uh, impacted by being unblocked. Yeah. And I had to think about it for a second. And I've been thinking about it ever since. I'm like, yeah, it really has. <laughs> I don't, I don't need this in my life. So I've just pretty much stopped paying attention, except for when I see, you know, a whole bunch of people saying. He just tweeted about this really stupid thing, and then I can't help but look. But what would be great is if yeah. after winning that lawsuit, then you unfollow him. <laughs> I I think I probably will. <laughs> I probably will. So uh, so you you won the first round of the lawsuit, and um and he's appealed. Is that right? Right. Yeah. They um, we won the first um, lawsuit just a few weeks ago, and they are they unblocked us during the appeal. Mm-hmm. And, and what stage is the appeal at now? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You've got I'm lawyers really for those sure. things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I am the least involved person in this lawsuit or in mm. any lawsuit. I don't have any stomach for it. I don't have any time for it. I'll do interviews about it and you know talk about my my part and how I feel about it, mm-hmm. like the the being blocked part of it. But the legal stuff, I I always refer out. Yeah. Or defer to the lawyers because I, I don't know. <laughs> I think it is it is interesting because I mean a lot of people have said to me, "Oh, you must feel so good. It must be so cool to think that you've been blocked. Like it's a badge of honor." But and it, it kind of like initially it was, but I, at the same time, it's annoying not to. So I have another Twitter account, so I can still see what he's tweeting. But it's mm-hmm. just it's so important with what's happening in the U.S. that it's it is a hassle to have to go around, log out of that account, log into this one, and look at see what he's done, and then you can't respond. It is an inconvenience. Yeah. It is. It's it is. Um... It's not just inconvenient in that, you know, we can't, we can't reply to him. Mm. It's inconvenient, like socially, <laughs> I don't know if inconvenient is the right word, but it's a little bit scary to go and read the replies to his tweets now that I can, Yeah. Um, because he's blocked so many distractors or um, dissenters that it's mostly just people quoting the Bible and replying with what a great job he's doing. Yeah. So uh, that's terrifying because that is not, you know, the America that I want to <laughs> to live in. Um, I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on half the time here. Well, yeah. What it does is it then the people who are the real people who are there who might hear a voice of dissent, they think everybody supports him, and then they see, and then right. they don't realize there are people who don't support him, and you know, there are and people I, all over the world. Yeah. I mean, if you live in the States, if you don't watch Fox News, but you just kind of watch TV or you watch or you listen to the radio, any radio station or read any paper, but just don't watch Fox News, you think this is insanity. Yeah. Like this. How is this happening here? Nobody likes this guy. Because, well, over the last week, we've had this issue. The Well, the last two weeks, I guess now that we've had the migrant crisis come the refugee crisis come to a head and it seems like for the first time trump's had a defeat uh and had to back down uh i mean do you 
Do you see that? Is it? Do you see this as a different moment than the past issues that have come up with him from your perspective? No, <laughs> it doesn't seem different. Um, it seems like the same, same stuff. Uh, I wish it was different because now he, I would, a couple, yesterday I would have said it seems a little bit different, mm-hmm. but today with this Muslim ban, um, the SCOTUS overturning the Muslim, uh, the the earlier court rulings on the Muslim ban, it just feels like he has got the wind at his back and he's going to just play that for all it's worth. Yeah, that's true. So, um, no, it doesn't really feel different. He, he knew that he was screwed when the Republicans came out against him. And then he knew he was, he really knew he was screwed when, uh, business leaders like airlines and, and um, other businesses started coming out against it. And mm-hmm. that's, I think, really the businesses is what did it, is what made him back down. Finally back down. Well, and the evangelical leaders were finally standing up to him for the first time. And that's something that I think if that happens more, because that's been a core base that supported him amazingly, because it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I know he he's delivered mm-hmm. on their issues, but he's the least evangelical person ever, 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 which I don't understand that. I mean, that, that's a marriage made in hell. No. And I think uh, <laughs> it's just. Yeah, but the thing is, the leaders stood up. Like, you're right. They, the leaders stood up to him for the first time, but he didn't lose any evangelical base. No. After, in fact, he only gained support with the evangelicals after starting to tear them, oh, tear the migrants away from their children. Yeah. And that is, it's, it's the full trumpification of the party you know the movement from gop to omg yeah just really fast well i like john boehner's quote that the republican party is taking a nap right now and um that you know it's it's (laughs) it's trump's party this is it because i think that because we're recording this on on tuesday so the news has just broke about the the muslim ban being overturned or, or ruled uh, legal by the Supreme Court and Twitter has blown up and they're blaming Mitch McConnell because obviously he held the court, the Supreme Court seat but the other person I think and uh, that deserves some blame and I, and I don't know if this will motivate people to vote is if more people who'd sat on their hands and stayed at home and didn't vote for Hillary because she was just the same as Trump or voted for a third party person and yes I'm blaming the Jill Stein voters I think they were morons I, I don't think you were one of those uh-huh. but uh, no, I was those, not. Yeah, those that that's what if they had not sat at home and said she's just the same and not voted for Jill Stein, then we, Hillary would have been in the White House and then she would have gotten that seat. So it's Mitch McConnell's fault, but it's also people who didn't vote's fault. <laughs> and that really that's something that is, gets lost in this. It's easy to blame Mitch McConnell, but what people I know now you're very good on your Twitter feed about motivating people to vote and in the primaries that are happening today around the U.S. But that's key. That's what matters. It's the only thing that matters. Um, there are a lot of people who are saying that they're going to sit this one out because it looks like Putin still got his little hands Ugh. in the. No, that's not why you stay home. That's why you take a friend. That's insane. That's why you go around and knock on all your neighbors' doors and say, "Can I take you to the polls?" Yeah. You know that's not why you sit at home. And then there are, you know, I still am getting the Bernie would have won replies constantly and they're not from people they're from bots so you know that really screwed us in Hmm. 2016 the the bots from 
you know, the Russian bots that, that kept dividing the Democratic Party. And, you know, yeah, the people let, let the bots, but they didn't realize they were bots. They thought they were people who thought just like them yeah. or who told them how to think and they were really suggestible to that. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, so and, yeah, we've got a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah. I, I think if people, <laughs> it's, if people don't, that's the only thing that matters now is people have to vote. And if they're angry about Mitch McConnell, they have to vote. If they're angry about migration, they have to vote. Whatever it is, you know, now if they're if they're making Harleys, they should be angry because now Donald Trump is attacking. How can you attack Harley Davidson, one of the most American companies that there are, and he's attacking them? <laughs> it's incredible. He will suffer no repercussions for this. He will. There will be no. N n there's never any. Uh, any um, flack yeah. for Trump on it, any of his comments for whatever reason. Um, I don't even think they could think that the guy who runs Harley is not going to stand up to him because he still needs, you know, he's still mostly here. Yeah, of course. So businesses and politicians and people are just terrified of this Potemkin president and they just don't want to piss him off because then he'll tweet about them and oh no what could be worse than that and and how, how do you feel about the um the baby, whole babies in cages baby i mean yeah the babies in cages seem to work which is not something that we want to repeat because of that but but i guess but a lot of people were saying that it was because of the visual images of that because people could see what was happening and that's what made the difference and the initial travel ban people could see the could... chaos and that's what made a difference the, the chaos in the airport you know we could see that difference but we were not able to see inside those facilities until we had some leaked bit video yeah. yesterday. And it's been going on for months or weeks at least. But, you know, they made the announcement in April. But as far back as October, kids are being separated from their parents without that um, Justice Department notification. So we, we didn't know about it, but mm -hmm. they were doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I don't remember what your question was. No, I get so fine. mad. This is just, <laughs> the whole babies in cages things that had me thrown off my game, like 100% off of, uh, of what I usually do, which mm. is, you know, I'm on Twitter and I'm like, you know, here, vote, like you were saying. That's yeah. kind of my thing. Is you you got to vote, really. You're not doing anybody any favors by voting third party or voting or staying home or any of that. But but the babies in cages has been my primary focus for like six days. Yeah, and I think it's it's worth it. I mean, it, it's important. I mean, there is nothing more important than, well, A, because if you just be cynical about it and political, um, it's it's something that resonates and people seem to understand and they seem to understand the, the damage that he's doing and what his policies are doing and how craven it is. But also then it's also important for the real reason of humanity that it's just terrible policy and cruel and unjust it so it's both it wins on both counts which is a good thing so it makes sense to focus on that and you've got a great platform so that that makes sense um how do you feel about um people chasing sarah sanders and other administration officials out of restaurants and uh i mean i i i, I don't that's not something i agree with i think that i i don't 
Well, I don't think like just I was I was speaking with this because I was speaking with somebody who's an evangelical professor or he's a professor that works at an evangelical university. And and he was saying, you know, there's a difference between the baker refusing to bake the cake for the for the gay couple because that's a religious conviction. And so that's wrong. That's the baker's right to do that. But then the um, but it's wrong to chase Sarah Sanders out of a restaurant. And I think both are wrong. I don't think we should. I think we should in that discourse, we should be forced to serve the people that we don't agree with. And then because it just creates. It doesn't achieve anything. To okay. So how, I don't know how you, how do you feel about hazing Sarah? <laughs> okay, here's how I feel. Here's how I feel about this. No German ever said, "I really am so glad I was nice to all those Nazis <laughs> <laughs> when my neighbors were being dragged away." Yeah. Okay. No. Nobody. No. You know. A decent white person ever said, you know, I'm so glad I held my tongue when my Japanese neighbors were being taken away and in, interned during the, um, during World War II. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think that my First Amendment rights, and you know how I feel about those, yeah. should be impinged upon because somebody wants to sit down and have a nice meal the day of or the day after they, you know, lie all day. For the president, mm. which is pretty much what Sarah is known to do. Yeah. Um, or, you know, your response, like, or like Christian Nielsen, specifically responsible for this babies in cages thing. And then she goes out to Mexican. No. Yeah. No. The... That's terrible judgment. No violence, obviously. Nobody wants anybody to get hurt. I think that you should be able to uh, stand up in a restaurant and you know, say you're a piece of crap. Well, that's fine. What I mean, you do for a living is off. But see, I guess I'd rather say you could go up and walk and say, I think you're a terrible human being. You're a piece of crap. I'm not going to take your money, mm-hmm. but we're not going to, you know, just so that you know, say, say that because, well, I mean, obviously they've, I mean, the way that they've used this, the fact that she's tweeted it from her government account, it just shows how awful in the fact that presidents attack this place and people are likely going to get hurt because he's doing that. It does show how awful they are, but it does take away from, the story about the children in cages. So now it gives gas and mm-hmm. fire to, oh, look at how terrible left-wing people are when it's not the most important story. The most important story should be back to how awful the Muslim ban is, the fact that people should vote, and back on the cages story. And it becomes this salacious little... I totally agree. So that's, that. it's like, that's like in the whole um, Robert De Niro, you know, uh, F. Trump. Again, that's a great sentiment. I've actually, I saw him speak live uh in the in the spring and he you know he was very anti-trump then and he but didn't swear quite as much um but uh but again it's it's just an easy win for people then to say oh look discourse is dead i just it, it becomes that becomes the story when we need other real important things that are maybe more boring or less exciting and but but matter more so right you know. well here's my thing with that is that you can say discourse is dead maybe it's been dead for a lot longer maybe it's going on way too much now i'm not sure because it it certainly is not a lot of polite discourse happening right now but it is discourse um and there's a lot of it uh i just have a problem um with this whole uh call for civility when you've got a grabber in chief in the white house yeah. and when all of the horrible things he said 
with all of the terrible things he's done, to hear his sycophants call for civility is particularly galling. Oh, yeah. So it's I know. And I'm not saying that he did it. So we should, too. I'm saying he did it. And if we can't if we can't fight on a level playing field because he's in the gutter, we're going to have to get down there with him probably. Yeah, I, but no one can get away with it like he can. That's the thing. I mean, when Marco Rubio tried to make fun of the size of his hands and make jokes about, yeah. you know, implying, it, it made Marco Rubio look bad and he had to back off. No one can get away with it like Trump does. No one can. And there's very, you know, so maybe until somebody comes along that can deliver it and not have those and not get any blowback whatsoever from the, you know, because it just seems to, it seems to inspire his followers rather than put them off. It's, 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 it doesn't help the, the cause, but. And it just. But, but we'd I, run. We should run like Roseanne or something. What's that? We should run like. No, we should Roseanne. run a Roseanne <laughs> type character, but yeah. further left. For the left, Somebody yeah. Who's, who was already well known? What, my husband and I were talking about this last night. Like, who in the hell are we going to run against this guy? Because it's got to be somebody who is brash and preferably has been in the military. And probably a guy because God knows we're not ready for a woman president. Well, and sorry, that was that was mean. <laughs> I, I don't well, think America deserves that, and I would like to apologize to America. Well, um, they, yeah, you know, <laughs> but maybe not. <laughs> um, but you know, it's going to have to be the blandest white guy ever. No, um, or or and well, yeah, he's got to all the time. So well, that's why the Rock. And, uh, it's got to be the, the Rock. He's 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 gorgeous. Gotta, oh, you're he's so got smart, except for he's a Republican. Is so. he? Well, still he yeah. would be better than Trump. I mean, no one can be quite as. I don't know. I I would hope so. I mean, but, you know. <laughs> and he's gorgeous. I mean, I mean, you know, if you have to be ruled by a fascist, you want them to be an attractive fascist. That's my rule. Yeah, like Mussolini. Yeah, mm. he was hot. I Good think man. I can't remember what he looked like. Yeah, but yeah. I'll trust your. Not I'll... in old age, but as a young man, he was, was he definitely. Good? Right, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm definitely yeah. googling Mussolini after okay. this. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this, and um, uh, if you don't mind, I might reach out again in a few weeks just to catch up. And it's nice to chat and see what um, see what's happening. Thanks. Oh, this is hard to be an American. Well, that's it for this week's Pod to Be an American. Uh, this has been Eric McElroy talking to Dr. Jerry Walls and Holly Figaro O'Reilly. Uh, please, um, if you haven't already, subscribe. Uh, share this with people. Uh, we'll get Charlie hopefully back next week. And um, I mean, the I mean, the news has already changed like ten times since we recorded this. So who knows if we'll all still be here next week? Uh, we got Trump's visit coming up to the UK, which is very exciting, uh, and other things to talk about. But thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Yeah, it's hard to be an American. Hard to be an American. Huh! This is hard.